Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. If you are new here, my name is Caleb, and I'm joined by Parker Holiday. And we are jumping on to have another conversation this week, taking some time to talk about faith, talk about some things that we find interesting. And we really hope that you guys are going to find this conversation interesting and beneficial and that sort of a thing. Just so you know a little bit more about us, uh, my name is Caleb Smith. I am a pastor at a local church in Snohomish County in Western Washington. And uh, yeah, I went to Northwest University have a BA in pastoral ministries, work on my master's in Bible and theology, and overall just care about the church, care about these conversations and talks and that sort of a thing. Yeah. A uh, little background about me is I'm just a regular dude. I currently work in the environmental industry as a equipment technician that works on environmental equipment, water quality type stuff, air quality, anything that field scientists would use out in the field. I work on that. Um, I, in the recent past, I went to school for environmental science. Um, but other than that, um, I'm just a regular dude that has gone to church my whole life. Um, and me and Caleb just enjoy having various conversations about lots of different things revolving around the church and Jesus and how that's impacted our lives and various, lots of different topics about that. So, um, this week, the topic that we are jumping into is what makes church church. And Caleb, do you want to go a little bit more into that as to what st- what brought that question about into your head? Yeah. So we were talking the other night and just trying to think through what are some questions we want to tackle. And one of the things we started to talk about was at our church, we have a lot of different kind of service opportunities, service um I guess it would be like styles and that sort of a thing. And so, you know, we both work within our youth space and that sort of a thing. So we have like a youth service for people 12 to 18. Um, We have our main service that happens kind of in what we call our worship center um, and that sort of a thing. And that's kind of your typical contemporary service. We have our tradition service that's leaning a little bit more into hymns and things of that nature. And then we also have different services for different just like groups within our church and that sort of a thing. And then even thinking about the broader scope of it, you have so many other kinds of expressions of community and church when you look at different denominational groupings and churches and things like that in our region. And so basically, as we were talking and thinking about it, it really was like, what makes church church? What are some of the elements that really at the end of the day, it's like, hey, these need to be present for us to be able to look and say, this is a church and potentially looking and saying, hey, these things need to be here or else you're not really having a church. You maybe are just having a get together, that sort of a thing. And so we just want to take a little bit of time, discuss it, talk about it. And uh, we don't act like we know all the answers, but hopefully we have some good thoughts to share on it. And so Parker, some of your first impressions. The other thing is we also, I guess as a preface thing, this is our starting point. We might tangent off into some different directions, but let's start the conversation there. What makes church church? Well, personally, I think to get a definition of what makes church church, we have to go back to the beginning of the church and kind of look at, I think that's, we need to look at that and see what it looked like then. Not that I think that that's necessarily what church should be necessarily, because I don't know if Jesus really ever in the gospels really defined what church was going to be. He said things like where two or more gather Uh, in my name, I'll be there, that type of a thing. But in terms of 
things like church structure, organization, how a service goes. Are there even services in general? Like what that looks like. Yeah. I, um, I guess the church kind of was just a thing that happened out of the Great Commission, which was to go out into all the world and spread the gospel. So in terms of what makes church church, I don't know. I think that, I think it, and this is kind of me just thinking on the fly, so I don't know if this is what I'm going to think in 20 minutes, but uh, it seems to me that I think you could probably boil it down into what makes church church is that the goal is to spread the gospel Hmm. and to love people and to love Jesus and to serve people and pursue after what God's heart is, which is after other people. Yeah. And so in terms of like actual like details of what a church service or organization goes into, there's a lot of strong opinions about that. And I don't know if that's necessarily something that's more related to maybe leadership or just organization. Cause the reality is that like we can probably do our job slash like calling as Christians as one unit and as a collective rather than single people. Yeah. So I guess to me, church is a, how would you say, um, a tool, I guess. But then there is also part of it that it is just a community, that God created us to be in community. And so it's kind of funny when you said, like, is, is it anything more than just a get together? When you said that, it kind of made me wonder, like, is it wrong to think of it as kind of a get together? Or like... I don't know. I think part of it also probably stems from how um, the Israelites and stuff and the and the Jews back in um, back before Jesus, how they did things and how they would have teachings in the synagogues and mm-hmm. all that stuff too. So anyway, yeah. No, I mean I think that's all good. I mean it's definitely um, it's definitely one of those things that it's good to have some of the background of, you know, so even looking at the fact that, you know, how did the early church model itself? Well, it even says that they went to the temple and things like that, you know, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's talking about how they're gathering around the apostles teaching, they're breaking bread together, they're getting together. It's really this very communal aspect, but also it's following some of those Jewish practices in the sense of gathering in the synagogue, there being the central place, even then looking to, uh, you know, Paul as he launches out into his missions work and that sort of a thing after he becomes to follow Jesus and has been trained up. Um, a lot of his missions work starts in the synagogues. You know, it's him going to these communities and finding that central location, that central place of worship, that, that spot where people are gathering together and kind of modeling it after that, which does go back to kind of the idea then even of like the temple of saying, you know, God saying, Hey, we're going to gather here, be here. Now there is some merit when people will talk about the idea of like, you know, the church is not a building, but it's a people, which is true. But people have to gather somewhere. So like there's times that people will say that statement almost as like, uh, you know, Hey, we don't want to, we don't want to have to be established, you know, 
we don't need to be a part of a system, like this kind of idea for faith, which is in part is true, but I always find it ironic because then they just make a system and the system just is a little easier for how they want to live. Like, it's like, oh, I don't need a system. I don't need people around me. So I'm going to have a home group. Well, who usually talks at the home group? Well, you know, Jim, it's at his house. And Jim really cares about it. He knows a good amount about the words. So, okay, so Jim's your pastor. No, it's a home group. Well, he's basically your pastor. And they just start to form up a system, that sort of thing. I don't really know a Jim that's doing a home group, but shout out to you, Jim, if you are. Um, but like with that, I think when we start to look at church, there is a reality that, you know, the gathering does matter somewhat. Um, you know, Paul says, um, oh crud. So it's either Paul or someone else. It's either in Ephesians or Hebrews. If I was a better pastor, I would remember, but talking about do not forsake the gathering of believers, you know, looking and saying to the church, do not forsake this. Do not get rid of this. Do not, um, let this not be a practice that you're not going to value. And that sort of a thing. Why? Cause we should get together. We should be together. So there's an importance of that. But I guess it's a holy get together because it's a get together with purpose. You know, like could could church be church if it happened in a church building every Sunday and every Sunday it was a giant game of settlers of Catan. Everyone's a Christian. They prayed before the game. Could that be church? If like if they prayed before the game. Like they prayed before the game. Yeah. Every Sunday for 70 years. They played Settlers of Catan. Yep. Could that be church? Yeah. This is actually a very concerning question. It is. It doesn't sound very concerning to me. I Well. Thias is nervous. Our resident nervous guy right now <laughs> is sitting here like, what's happening? Um, I feel like I'm going to offend some people. I'll just say your answer. <laughs> I don't know if that, I guess my answer is, I think that's a good example of community and I don't, and I don't think that that type of thing would be terrible at all. Yeah. I think that you wouldn't be really talking like, like that's the equivalent of us. Like I know, like there's some families I know that they don't really go to church, but they, and I'm sure some of us know those these type of families where they, they'll pray before every meal, Yeah, but they don't go to church. And I'm not saying you have to go to church to be Christian. Well, uh, there's yeah. debate on that. There's debate. But we, we're really nice. We're really nice in the church right now. Well, so a lot of times people don't want to push it that much. And I also think that we're coming from this perspective of being born in America, living in America, where we have easy access to church and things like that. That is true. If you're in China right now in right. an underground church, you may you're not like, have access to a church. Well, no, I mean, those people are gathering and dying. Right. But then in America, we look and we say, do we need to go to church to be Christians? And they're like, I'm dying to be in church. <laughs> like not yeah, to belittle no. that. I mean, just like the severity of it. It's pretty crazy. Or even like if you live, like, let's say you live in the middle of Montana and it's December and you're not leaving for a long time. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Yes. I guess is what my point is. But 
I do think there is something to be said for. But there's also people who make that same excuse when they live in the middle of suburban Western Washington and five minutes from then is 20 different churches they could choose to go to. Right. So then I guess my question is, what is it that it seems like you have more to say on this in terms of like, so what if some, let's say that scenario in suburban Washington. Yeah. What is it that they, in their Christian walk, what is it that they're not doing? Yeah. That they should be doing. I mean, like, so really quick, and this is a part of how me and Parker usually talk, is that we end up being pretty blunt with one another. So that just gets to carry over into the podcast. I mean, like, if, if I'm having to think about what is that person not doing, I would say they're not understanding the true thing that Jesus has called them to. Which is? Which is community. Like, is that what they called? Is that what Jesus called us to? Yeah, he demonstrates, models it, shows it to us. Like, you know, Jesus, what does he do? As like the embodiment, I mean, Christian, Christian means little Christ. And so like, it was a derogatory term at first. It's like we looked and we literally said like, hey, this derogatory thing, we'll, we'll own it. We'll be little Christs. I mean, typically before that, it was um, Christians at the very beginning were called followers of the way, the way of Jesus. Right. And so they were following this way of Jesus. So whether you look at it as we are a little Christ or you look at it as followers of the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus immediately begins in tandem with community. That was a hiccup. It starts out with having him go to the disciples and he starts to call to the disciples to follow him. They start to follow him while he's follow. They're following him. What does he do? He does life with them. They have moments with him. He does moments of teaching with them. He has moments of demonstrating how to pray discipleship, that sort of a thing. And then he goes to the church and he says to the disciples, Hey, go into all the world, and make disciples, go into all the world and help them be saved, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, this sort of a thing. But it's a call to the church to realize, you know, hey, this is a community. A lot of times I think in American Western faith, and this is not a new thought, so I'm not trying to act like I'm some like theological philosopher right now who's like figuring out new things, but we've started to look and we've said, hey, you know, because there was this period of time where Christianity was so fundamentalized and it was becoming so legalistic and all of this stuff, we've looked and we've said, well, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Uh, it's a cool sentiment. It's not a bad sentiment. It's not one that is necessarily wrong, but it does look almost, and it makes it all individualistic. Like it's looking at our faith and saying, hey, all you need is Jesus. And like, there's a reality that yes, at the end of the day, all you need is Jesus, but Jesus does not look at you and say, all he gives you is him and you, if that makes sense. Like he looks and he says, hey, you are the body of Christ. Like, you know, the head cannot look to the arm and say it does not have value. You know, the foot cannot look to the hand and say, I don't need you because it might walk somewhere, but it can't grab something like that kind of an idea. And so I think for the people that look and they end up saying like, hey, I don't need institutionalized Christianity. One, for some, and I don't, I don't say this to belittle this, for some, they might've been hurt by a church, that sort of a thing. They might've had a bad experience with the church and that's tragic. That's not good. There are others out there. And there's a reality that like the call of Jesus doesn't change just because some people messed up how they represented the action steps of that call. And so I think that's where for that person, I would just look and say like, man, are you realizing the totality of what Christ has called you to and the beauty of it? 
that the fact that he calls you to a faith that is not just about you believing in this God that you cannot see. Even Jesus looks and he ends up saying, you know, blessed, blessed are you who believe and you have seen me, but more blessed are those who will not see me and believe. So like he's even admitting, you can't see me right now. I'm not here in flesh. So like, yes, it's awesome that we can believe in him, but we don't just believe in him. We believe in a God who then has looked and said, I will partner with humanity. And so what is your church community? It's the hands and feet of Christ around you. That sort of a thing. Um, even in a silly example, a couple years ago, you know, Sierra and I, we had our car parked in the church parking lot and there was an event going on and um, Sierra's car got broken into, she had a laptop stolen and a bunch of other little things and that sort of a deal. It was like a, it was a really like scary moment, kind of like you're just, it's invasive, all this stuff. And Sierra was like sitting there and she's like, what do I do? She calls me. I was 30 minutes away. I couldn't help. And you know what? In that moment, people from the church, they helped um, call the police to do a police report really quick about the stolen stuff. They went and some of the guys on facilities for the church, they came out and they vacuumed out the car. They helped hang a bag in the window. And then also me and Sierra, we were newly married. We were broke. We had no extra money. And people from the church came together without us asking, without us doing a GoFundMe, without us having to do anything like that. It's not a knock on GoFundMe, but we didn't, we didn't publish it all that we were in need. And our church community came to us and said, Hey, here's a couple hundred bucks. We brought this together. We want to help you guys out. Like those are the things I think they're missing out on. Cause they're looking and saying, well, it's just, you know, me and Jesus and we're good. And it's like, yeah, but you're missing the hands and feet of Jesus that want to help serve you and that you could help serve as well. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. That totally makes sense. When I was asking, like, is that what Jesus calls us to? Honestly, I kind of forgot about a space on the the, the body of Christ versus I totally spaced on those. And also, and those who are listening, you'll find that. And I, I think I could say the same thing at Caleb and he could probably agree with me, but I tend to figure out what I think by arguing. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't like that. My wife really doesn't like that. Uh, but it, for me, I find it's the best, the best way for me to figure out what I think is by, kind of playing devil's advocate and looking at all the perspectives. So I just want to be clear on that. But um, no, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah. So then when it comes to this idea of the church, and let's even just boil it down to a church service. So, so we understand there's an amount of community that has to happen. Uh, we understand there should be others involved, that sort of a thing. You know, it's not just... It's not just like have 10 kids and then you can call yourself a church because you got 12 people present or that sort of a thing. You know, there's an amount of interrelational community going on. So like when we look at a church, like if you were to, maybe this is the way we can talk through it. If you showed up, let's say you and I go on a road trip and we pull up in Minnesota, we're in the middle of Minnesota. It's freezing cold in the winter or something. I assume it's cold in Minnesota. Um... And while we're there, we say, hey, we want to go to church Sunday morning. Let's find a church. We're going to keep our perfect attendance streaks up, that kind of a, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Um, what are some things that you would be like, okay, this has to be happening for us to say, hey, we went, we went to church today. We went and we were a part of the body of Christ. Even if it wasn't our local community, we were a part of the body of Christ in meeting. And um, I guess I'll leave it right there, meeting in the church. What are some of the elements for you? that you would say should be present? 
I think for me, there are a number of things, but the biggest thing for me that I would think of is actually not what's going on in the actual service. Mm. Part of it is, but a lot of it is what is the church, AKA the community of Christ doing outside of their services. Cause if they're not being servants in the community and serving in the community, um, they're basically just a show. Totally. So let's, let's so, assume that they're doing, um, good community relations type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I would say for me, um, the biggest thing for me, I go back to is scripture based and solidified, um, teaching yeah. and doctrine. Um, even if you, you know, I don't know what denomination we'd end up, denomination of church would be ending up in, but even if you have differences of opinions on stuff, that it's supported by scripture. Um, and obviously there's differences in um, interpretation of certain scriptures, but realistically the majority of sermons are not, schism causing uh scriptures that we're talking about don't get me started on schisms because i feel like i personally never mind this is for another podcast at some point i feel like i feel like there should be another call for the church to do another meeting i think that i think we need a modern meeting of the saints to decide some stuff like a council of nicaea type stuff yes I like we get, genuinely, we, yeah. we, we just stopped. Like we stopped having them. We stopped doing them. I get it. I understand why somewhat like it'd be pretty logistically difficult. Um, I just think yeah. there's certain things that we look and we end up saying this again, this is a whole other conversation. Like we'll end up looking at one group and saying, this group is a Christian, this group, they're a Christian, this group, they're a Christian, but this group thinks that group is possessed. <laughs> And things like that. That should yeah, matter. No, those should totally. be some those should be things that we have to like, you know, have some have some debate about, that kind of a thing. But uh no, I agree with you. I mean, I think sorry. Uh I think like definitely the scriptures need to be present. The word of God. You know, there's there's difference in worship, there's difference uh in practice, things like that. But you know, you show up and if you're in a church and honestly, this is a great thing. This isn't just talking about maybe a church that would seem um, overtly oddly placed, but maybe you show up to a church and the pastor gets up to begin to speak and that sort of a thing. And oh my word, they shared a lot of really cool sounding things. Right. And they were scripture adjacent. Like, hey, you guys know Jesus asked us to be good people. Well, that's really like cool sentiment. That's scripture adjacent, but... Where are you leading us in the living word of God? We don't want the living word of pastor so-and-so. We want the living word of God. So I think that's what things, because like you might show up, let's say even going this way with the conversation, you might show up to a service and let's say it is a um, purely a worship service. Let's even say actually it's purely a teaching service. Not many churches would really do that. Either one, I think people would feel okay with as long as the word is present. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I think I think there is a difference between a teaching where scripture is present and supports things that are being preached and taught. I think it's a completely other thing to say what is being taught is inspired by what is in scripture and is um, 
brought out by what was in the scripture. Cause I think that, cause the, what we're assuming obviously is that the Bible is the word of God and that's what we're there to talk about. If we're, we're talking about our own thing and just confirming it with stuff that's in the Bible, granted, I think there's a time and place for that, but in terms of a Sunday morning sermon, I think it has to be scripture inspired. Yeah. And I think there's a big distinction, distinguished, big distinction that needs to be made with that. I think totally. No, I agree with you. I mean, one of the things for me when it comes to preaching and I've been having to wrestle with over the last, um, I mean, years, few years. Um, and even like this last week with, uh, with two of the messages that I got to, to write and deliver was just thinking through and saying like, all right, this is, this is where I feel like the Lord is leading this talk and I need to make sure it is rooted. Uh, one of the messages in particular, I felt like is a, was a fairly challenging call in some ways. And I was like, this must be rooted so starkly in scripture to ensure that someone walks away, not saying, Oh, Caleb just thought this should be different, but truly was able to wrestle with, and then on their own, go and explore, you know, like one of the stories uh, in my message, I referred to the stoning of Stephen and within the reference to the stoning of Stephen, I didn't have time to read all of it. I wasn't going to read, you know, acts uh, five all the way through seven. That would have taken forever. You know, it starts to end up not fitting within the timing that our community typically is meeting for our services, whatever it may be. Um, and so I paraphrased, but I made sure to continuously reference. So if you read in the book of Acts, so if you read at the start of Acts, if you read at the start of Acts, like trying to say, hey, I'm very much so acknowledging that I'm paraphrasing right now, but please, if you go read it, you'll see that what I am speaking is the story written there, that sort of a deal. Totally. And then once I was continuing through, though, I was referencing a lot of scripture, things like that. And so... You know, I think that's one thing that I think we've kind of landed on one part. Scripture should be present. Are there other elements that you think should be present? I think that, I think probably the two aspects, two biggest aspects of church in general, but services, I think there's two sides of it. There's one side that's glorifying God and two, uh, it's serving the people. And so I think there are times where, like in a sermon, where your your sermon may be tailored to a congregation and probably should be tailored to a congregation, I would yeah. think. Um, Paul tailored his letters to the congregations right, he was writing to. Right. He was, me- he was writing messages that specifically applied to a specific set of people. Um, and granted, if you're preaching to a very, very large amount of people, Obviously, that dy- dynamic probably kind of changes. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've never obviously preached to loads and loads of people. I've never really even preached, but I would assume that dynamic is different. But so I would say the glorifying God. So th- probably with worship um, and other various serving type things, and to the sermon mm-hmm. that um, both glorifies God, but also is a word of encouragement and conviction to the congregation specifically, I think are the two main elements that I can think of in terms of a service Yeah, that I can think of that probably it boils down to is what I would think. 
Yeah. No, I mean, I would say, yeah, definitely there always has to be a, a glorification of God and a serving of the people. I actually really like the simplicity of those two categories. You know, if you look at it, you can glorify God, you know, in a typical traditional service sense, you might have, you know, you have worship, um, you have an opportunity of giving, which technically is kind of multifaceted. You're giving, it's glorifying God through you honoring him through the the presentation of sacrifice in some ways, but then through those funds, um, as long as the church is being a good steward of them in return is being used to glorify God through the serving of the people. Um, you know, whether that is through, um, staff who are able to help physically go and serve the people, whether it's through benevolence, through local missions, global missions, that sort of a thing. And then you have the bringing of the word, you know, glorifying God, but then for the sake of also then the people to glorify God in greater way. And then, you know, one of the elements that I actually think should be, man, I think is very important. And I wish there was ways to maybe not reinvent, but maybe reinvigorate it is times in the altar when it comes to moments of praying for one another. Um, you know, I just think that is an experience that within a church community should always be at least available and at least totally. maybe vocalized as something people can partake in. You know, for some churches, they might not have, you know, if you're a church of, uh, you know, you're, let's say your church, 10,000 people, you know, a large church going to be hard to say, Hey, we have an altar team up front, that kind of a deal. Um, personally, I think you should find a way to I think you should find a way to have some people available, but also it might be then that you say, Hey, we have, um, prayer rooms that you can go to. We have some space, but then also if you're a church of, um, 50 and that sort of a deal, man, what an awesome thing, because you're able to look out and you're able to say, Hey, we want to pray for you after service. And maybe it takes, 10, 15 minutes and you're able to pray for the people of the church, that kind of a deal. I think that's always one that I have a high value for to be present within a church community as well. Totally. I think another thing too, to think about um, in larger church contexts is probably, I would think the need for small groups yeah. and smaller breakout sizes. Cause I think there is something to be said for that. If you just feel like one small fish in a very big pond, it's not conducive to the feeling of community, I don't think. Um, and so I think having those small groups where, like, it is, it feels more like a small church where everybody knows everybody and they're doing life together. And when you have those, mo I think you're totally right. I think there should be times where prayer is always available. Yeah especially for people who it's probably maybe their first time there, they don't know anybody that should be there. That should be really kind of a spiritual utility mm -hmm. that should be available and as a way we can, we can serve people. Um, but I do think that it's really important for us to have those small groups where you have that dynamic of that you feel comfortable being vulnerable and, and putting needs out there that you need prayer for. Um, and like the real, like the situation with you and Sierra's car, or at that time, I think you guys were married yeah. then. Yeah. 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 So your guys' year. car, um, like if people th didn't really know you guys, they wouldn't have probably, yeah. Uh, or been as quick, not quick, but been as aware. Yeah. To where they could help they wouldn't you. Know the circumstance. They yeah. wouldn't have known, Hey, this is why this is so, 
difficult for them right. in response, right? Yeah. Right. And so having people in your life, a smaller community, that they're aware of where you're at in life. Totally. To where you guys can tell what each person needs and be able to be that community is really important, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I love the fact that, you know, kind of through this conversation, I mean, this is not for the sake of just good church growth models and things like that. You know, there's certain things within church that I think sometimes we boil down to doing them because they seem like effective ways to grow. Like, oh, if we have small groups, then people will feel more connected. And when they feel connected, they'll invite a couple of friends. We have 50 small groups and they all then invited one person to church collect. That's great. We grew by 50 people. Like, I think it's important to see these things through that lens of how is it just simply the healthy thing we're called to do. You know, within that, I mean, looking at the early church, Acts 2, 42 to 47, it's talking about all these things that they did. You know, even honestly, like we were talking about giving earlier. I know for some people, they maybe have an odd or not an odd, well, I guess an untraditional view towards things like tithing and stuff like that. Maybe saying, oh, we don't need to tithe. Awesome. Then be like the church in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47 and sell all you have and live in the common good of one another. That's sort of a thing. It's a, it's a higher call even to generosity. And so like looking at that early church though, the way they were living inspired people to want to be a part, inspired people to want to be present. Like, you know, honestly, I think about right now, even what we're doing right now, you, me, Matthias sitting down, um, you know, Nadia and Sierra, they're taking time to hang out and chat for a while. We have uh, small groups that we're a part of. We also then have youth groups that we are serving and that sort of a thing. There are people we know that when they end up hearing about the stuff we're doing, they're like, that's really cool. Like, I don't have something like that. And they look and they're like, why do you do it? Well, one, we just, we like each other. There's community, there's friendship, but also it's because our faith in Jesus has pushed us to be able to realize like this is better with others around us. And there's a common purpose within it and all those things. And we want to serve one another, want to care for one another. You know, if you and Nadia were to go through something, me and Sierra want to be able to be there to be in your corner. Something happened to Matthias, you know, we want to be in his corner and that sort of a thing. Um, you know, when he wins like a national disc golf tournament or something like that, we want to celebrate alongside him. But like with that, all of these things when it comes to church and that kind of a deal needs to be driving somewhat towards community, towards that thing. And again, not for the sake of glorifying the person, but it's to glorify the God who has blessed us with the community we can be in, that sort of a thing. Um, yeah. I have a little bit of a of a fly ball here. Fly ball. And this may be, this is probably something that um, we should probably delve into it. This would be another good podcast topic, I think. But question just came up in my head because through the stuff that's happened with COVID and stuff, I think there's been a really big um, growth of online church. Yes, of which my wife helps administer. For yeah, church. totally. And people and and it's been really cool, like knowing you guys and seeing her do that, seeing people come to Christ through that mm -hmm. stuff. It's been really cool. Um, and I think it's a, a completely, not new, but it's a growing uh, way that people are coming to know Christ. And so with the knowledge of the discussion we've been having, is online church church? Great question. Or is it merely a fancy YouTube video? <laughs> 
Um, I think for a lot of churches, it becomes that. I think for a lot of places, it becomes a fancy YouTube video. It becomes the scroll by, becomes the, I'm going to upload this video. People will watch it. Um, but it doesn't become necessarily like a communal thing, but like, this is a very silly example, very silly example. Uh, but there's a lot of YouTubers, one that's yeah, I'll reference him. Danny Gonzalez. Okay. So Danny Gonzalez is a, a YouTuber who does like commentary videos and things like that on culture, different things like that. A lot of them are pretty funny. Um, and he jokingly calls his community Greg. And so he'll end up saying like subscribe and you get to join Greg. We're the fastest growing family on YouTube or something along those lines. Um, but then like you go into the comments and people are commenting and they're commenting on the video and they're talking about the things going on in the video, stuff like that. Nothing new. You look, people are liking the video. Like there's a genuine, and then you go through the comments and you end up seeing threads of conversation about the video and about some of the stuff that's been going on on the channel. So I think that there's definitely models of community taking place on the internet. But then there's also models of, yes, those people that just passively have stuff happen, that sort of a thing. So I think within church online services, if you are intentionally doing the very hard work of fostering community, you know, for people who are, um, you know, one of the first reasons why BCA ever had an online campus was for people who were shut-ins, who were not able to leave their homes, um, you know, and even for people who are maybe like the elderly or people who are medically impaired to where they are not able to leave their house, they're stuck at home, they maybe have a caregiver with them, that sort of a thing. So they could they could join in on church and that sort of a deal. And so I think as that's progressed throughout COVID, and you can talk to Sierra would know a lot more about this than I do, but you know, there's a team of people that help to be in the chats, talking and communicating with people, messaging with people, people send in prayer requests each week. They're instantly in a private chat with them, praying with them, talking with them, taking that time to communicate. So I think the ideal, the ideal is in person. The ideal is in person. If you can't do in person and intentionally done very intentionally done online church community, not Facebook. I want to say like Facebook's a cool, like, Hey, I'm going to watch the Facebook stream or the YouTube stream. And I'm going to get a taste for what this church does. That's cool. Find out if you like the service, but then like some of these platforms where it is online on the church's website with a chat board, with ways to connect with actual things. I think that allows you to at least have a sense of community. So if you can't do in person, which is ideal, which is primarily what we'd want to do, then doing that is good. The worst would be to say is I listen to the podcast of my pastor twice a month. So I go to insert random adjective church and that is my church that I go to. Uh, you're not really doing church and community. You're listening to teaching. That's cool. That's good. But you're not in community, you know, but whereas for even for Sierra, she's talked about like there's people that jump on the chat and they see somebody who's chatting that they've seen their name before and they say, hey, it's great to see you here with us again today. And like there's that community relationship. It's hard. It's difficult. It's not easy. Most of the time it's probably done poorly. But if done well, I think it can be a community. Yeah. I think what I was going to say before you said some of the things you did was it seems to me like it's a great gateway. Definitely into community and that maybe going to physical church or in-person church, whatever you want to call it would be your next step. Yeah. But 
I do think you are right, though, that there are people that even post-COVID that can't necessarily very easily or it's really, really difficult for them to come to church. And I'm not talking about people who can come to church very easily, but just don't want to. Yes. I think that's another story. But people who genuinely can't, I do think that, I think that's really honestly probably one area, one big area that we could probably, I think like when you're talking about that, it's really hard to get to that point. I think you're right. But I almost think it's, we kind of need to try to do our best with it. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, it's a need, I think. And I think it's kind of our responsibility to do that at this point. So anyway, that was just a little riff that I thought of. That was even why for, for our church, when the conversation started around, how do we help make sure that online is going well? And we don't have it perfect. We're still figuring stuff out. We're still doing our best. Everybody is. Everybody's trying to figure more and more things out to make it a better experience. The first priority, from my understanding, was that they were not looking and saying production has to be a million percent. They looked and said, we need people behind this who will care about it. Totally. You know, so that was why for, you know, again, for my wife, she's not like a tech pro or anything like that. She's not a stream builder or nothing like that. She's not a production manager, but she's a relational person that can care about the people behind the other side of the screen. And I do think that that, again, it's my wife, so I'm biased, but I think that is a healthy starting place because it allows it then to be birthed out of community, not content. You can make great content, but then fostering community with it can be like, well, they were already attracted here, by the really great visual and sound and the crispness and all of that. They weren't here for community, but you got some people where they showed up and they were there for the community first and they're receiving through the service, through the entertainment value of what's being presented to them. But the community, that element was what mattered the most. And so, yeah, I think church kind of sum up what you had said earlier, Parker church, we are glorifying God and we are serving people. You know, and if those two boxes are being maintained well, and obviously we could go into whole discussions about, you know, are baptisms happening? Is communion being served regularly? Uh, how long should sermons be? Things like that. That's a whole other discussion that could be done. Yeah. But as long as we are glorifying God, serving people, man, I think I think we're always able to probably leave a service that does that well and say, man, that's a good thing. That was a good thing. Totally. Yeah, I think a lot of those other things that you were mentioning, those in some ways are spiritual utilities. I think yeah. that's a kind of a, I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty accurate way to, to put it, that there are things like baptism and communion that it's pretty clear that Jesus asks us, asks us to do. Um, but I do think, and now I'm thinking about it, it does kind of line up with what Jesus says are the two greatest commandments, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second of these is love your neighbor as yourself. It's kind of unintentional how we arrived there, but now I'm thinking about it. That actually is very true. Hey, hey, hey. We weren't trying to do it, but it happened. So thank you, Lord, for speaking through us. Um, No, I think that's a good spot for us to be able to just kind of end this conversation to start to wrap things up. Um, Parker, do you have any final thoughts? Not really, man. Sweet. Well, everybody, 
Thank you for jumping on for another episode of our podcast. If you liked it, please rate and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Spotify, you want to share it with somebody, that'd be awesome. We love and appreciate you, and we will see you next week.